Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Again, everybody, it is time for the Silver Bullets podcast. I'm Michael Citro, and I'm Chip Minnick. Chip, the Buckeyes have made it to three and zero in the Big Ten. Got through their first road test on Saturday in East Lansing with a pretty convincing forty-nine to twenty victory over the Spartans in a final score that was a little bit, I would say, flattering. For the Spartans, uh, you know, one of the touchdowns came in garbage time, and one was basically a gift on a uh, a misread between the uh, quarterback and the wide receiver. So an easy defensive touchdown was basically handed to them. So they really only had to uh, score one touchdown, you know, before garbage time, and it was a touchdown drive that was aided by a whole bunch of penalties. So. Very flattering score for the Spartans. Uh, really no trouble for Ohio State. No, and to be fair to Ohio State, I think anyone, I mean, considering the fact that C.J. Stroud didn't play uh, the majority of the game, I mean, Ohio State, I mean, I want to say they took their foot off the gas, but they certainly took their foot off the throat. Um, so, you know, metaphorically of Michigan State, they could have they could have beaten them even more handily than they did. Yeah, and and the team doesn't seem interested to get Kyle McCord some actual passing reps. Uh, they just yeah. seem to throw him out there and let him hand off three times and punt, and they're happy with that instead of you know giving him some meaningful opportunities to work with his receivers. Yeah, it is. That's frustrating because a year ago there was the. And it was just kind of, you know, you and I had uh, discussed about how frustrating it was that Ryan Day did not have his quarterbacks pass. This was when Jack Miller was on the roster, CJ Stroud going into 2021. Oh, you know, we, CJ has never thrown a pass in regular season. So getting to your point, it is frustrating to, I'm sure it has to be frustrating for Kyle McCord that. He goes in and essentially, you know, hands the ball off continually. And yeah, I know he started a game last year against Akron, but these are the kind of opportunities. I'm not suggesting throwing deep for the end zone, but I think they are squandering opportunities in valuable time where he could be getting more and more comfortable 
with within the offense because the last thing in the world any Ohio State fan and I would think Ryan Day would want is to go into 2023 kind of feeling like our quarterback is very green and inexperienced. Yeah, and and maybe not just they when they do let him throw, it's kind of a bad situation. It's uh, you've handed off on first down, you've gained two yards. You've handed down off on second down, you've gained another yard. And now it's third and long, and you're working behind basically your backup offensive lineman, and and you're not really giving him an opportunity. Maybe maybe go a little play action on first down for you know a quick out or something. You know, just something to allow him to get into a rhythm and. And again, just use the playbook a little bit because, you know, you're just one play away from needing him to be in there. Right. And I realized that, you know, Ryan Day, you know, he has a, a method to, I don't want to say his madness, but, you know, to, to why he does things. Um, one of the things that Jim Trussell used to do that I thought was very, very smart was he would actually put the backup quarterback in when the game was still in doubt. I mean, it was one of these things where I, I distinctly recall, you know, back in the day, you know, Scott McMullen was the backup to Craig Krenzel coming in, getting some opportunities to play, you know, and yeah, Scott McMullen was often called upon, um, you know, like there was one game in specifically that comes to mind. Uh, and again, we're talking, you know, 20 years ago, but you know, where, Craig Krenzel was knocked out of the game and Scott McMullen came in and rallied the team against on the road at Penn state. So the point I'm trying to make is I would think if he could give Kyle McCord, like you said, you know, like an opportunity with the starting offensive line, the starting wide receivers while the game is still in doubt, I think it would just be so much better off for Kyle McCord and the team in general. Yeah. I mean, even when the game is a little beyond reach, like when it's starting to get in that out of hand, you know you can can go down the field anytime you want to. You've been doing it the whole game so far. And I don't think that I don't think Jesse Murko made an appearance till the third quarter. I may be wrong, but it, you've got this opportunity to put him out there with a three touchdown lead. If he makes a mistake, it's not going to kill you. Um, but yeah, give him an opportunity. It's um it's a little maddening, and I don't know what the thought process is behind that. If it's to, if it's to build stats to do right by your starter to see him stay in the Heisman hunt or whatever it is, uh, I, I don't know. But um, anyway, we have digressed a little bit. Uh, let's get into our game. The Buckeyes win forty-nine to twenty. Our score predictions: Chip, you had fifty-six to seven. I had forty-five to ten. So I think I was a little closer this week. Uh, although, you know, we got to start nailing these, man. We're just, we're not quite there. (laughs) Sure. Uh, yeah, I would, I would agree that you were closer. So, all right. Uh, let us, uh, let us take a look at what transpired on Saturday in East Lansing. The, the Buckeyes, uh, were on it from the get go. They got a stop on defense, uh, came out, went down the field, and uh, Marvin Harrison Jr. catches a 19-yard pass uh, for the touchdown, makes it 7-0. Then uh, Ohio State gets another stop, and Michigan State uh, back on defense, and, and this thing could get out of hand early, except for the fact that uh, not on the same page for once, uh, Emeka Buka and 
CJ Stroud and Stroud throws a hitch, but Egbuka runs a go route and uh, Brantley there for Michigan State to uh, to pick it off and go 32 yards for a pick six. Uh, not ideal uh, tying the game at 7-7, but certainly it was, uh, although the crowd was fired up, I there was really zero panic whatsoever. I agree. I, I never felt like, oh, okay, like this is going to swing the momentum to Michigan State. Um, I, I felt it was it was early. I agreed with the way that you summarized it in your grumpy old Buckeye column uh, that, you know, there was miscommunication. We're not sure on on which end, uh, you know, is, as far as if it was C.J. Stroud or Emeka Buka, you know, I, I think that uh, I'm sure that's going to be discussed and cleared up uh, within the respective rooms. Um, but kind of, you know, as you said, there was never any cause for alarm or panic. I mean, it was still relatively early in the game and Ohio State was still very much in control. Yeah, I was reading, I believe it might have been, might have been the plane dealers right up of that play. Uh, I forget. It might have been that one, but I apologize if I'm getting it wrong. But uh, they were talking about how the, the read there is if it's if it's press man, it's a go route. And if it's uh, if the if the defensive back backs off, then it's a, a hitch is the right play. And Michigan State disguised that and started off like it would be press man and then backed out. And and that was enough to throw off one of those two. Now, CJ said that Emeka did the, the right thing, whether he's being you know, just protecting his, his young receiver or not. I don't know, but, um, you know, CJ has been in the offense uh, and he's got a pretty darn good command of it. So I, I don't know that it was on Emeka, but, uh, either way, I'm sure that will be a focus in the film study. Absolutely. Cause they will see that again. <laughs> <laughs> you can, uh, you can be sure that other teams will be trying to disguise their coverage and, and change it after the, the snap. So, uh, so seven seven, but Ohio State gets the ball right back, and Egbuka makes amends with a sixty nine yard touchdown reception on a busted coverage by the Spartans, and uh, a nice play. Oh yeah, I mean, if anything, it looked like Michigan State botched their their coverage. I mean, he was completely wide open, had yeah. had no difficulty whatsoever. Yeah. So the first quarter ends fourteen seven Buckeyes. Uh, the Buckeyes add a touchdown early in the second quarter. Julian Fleming goes 51 yards. Uh, Michigan State then was able to drive down the field, largely on Ohio State mistakes. Uh, it was a comedy of errors, a couple of third downs where Ohio State got stops, but they handed first downs to the other team. It was uh, a tough drive for Cam Brown. Uh, he had one where he he – uh, he pushed his receiver out of bounds and then pulled him down by the horse collar on the third down play that would have ended the drive. They, there was also a, a sack on third down that was wiped out by a Zach Harrison hands to the face penalty. Um, very di- undisciplined from the Buckeyes on that one particular drive. It wasn't a problem all game long, but on that drive, it was bad. It was. And, you know, as far as as far as Zach Harrison goes, the, you know, the hands to the face, I'm sure that Larry Johnson is going to be, you know, telling him, you know, I, you, can't, you just can't do that because look, you know, the, the impact that that had on that drive, like you said, you know, it kept a drive alive, which resulted in Michigan State points. Uh, Mike Hall was reportedly, I think it was uh, 
there was one of the sites online said that he played seven snaps. He ended up with two and a half sacks and he would have had a sack on that play. So it would have been three and a half sacks on seven snaps. He was, he was amazing uh, in his limited action, but um, the drive is capped by uh, Jaden Reed catching an 18 yard pass from Peyton Thorne. And they missed the extra point because the Spartans are, are just struggling this year, but seven plays, 76 yards. And, much of that was just handed to them. Uh, there was also a pass interference penalty, I think, on that uh, drive. And then uh, pretty good coverage by Ja'Kalen Johnson on the touchdown. But we're back to this problem where the defensive backs are not locating the ball. And so Tim Walton's got some work to do. Yeah, that's the great thing about the bye week. I mean, there's a lot of things that can be done. Now, obviously, uh, I think that the the vast majority of the bye week is going to be spent by the coaching staff for recruiting purposes. But uh, the players this weekend they'll have you know an opportunity to rest, recuperate, uh, rehabilitate any kind of injuries. But there's going to be practice this week, so I'm sure, like you said, this is an opportunity for Tim Walton uh, to kind of address some of the issues that they're seeing from from the cornerbacks. Yeah, much much needed rest for some of these guys. Didn't mention Mayan Williams sat out this game, and then he'll have the bye week as well. So hopefully he'll be back and healthy, and uh, hopefully Jackson Smith and Jigba also will be able to go after the bye week as well. So at that point, it was 21-13. Buckeyes scored on a Travion Henderson one-yard run to make it 28-13, and then tacked on a Marvin Harrison Jr. 28-yard pass from C.J. Stroud to make it 35-13 at halftime, and for all intents and purposes, game over. Yeah, it pretty much was. Um, you know, kind of what we said earlier, there was never any panic. It just, if anything, it was nice to see that Ohio State took control in the second quarter going into the second half uh, and never really looked back. Yeah. The Buckeyes, Chip, drove down the field all day. They had drives of 80 yards, um, 75 yards, 98 yards, uh, 75 yards, 91 yards, 96 yards. They had a, a short field and went 50 yards. Uh, so it was, it was, uh, you know, Michigan state's punting unit was doing its job and special teams were pinning Ohio state back, but it just didn't matter where Ohio state started, even on its own two, uh, the Buckeyes were able to go down the field and score Marvin Harrison got his hat trick. In the third quarter with a 19-yard pass, it was 42-13. And in seven starts, Marvin Harrison Jr. has three three-touchdown games. That is a career receiving record for Marvin Harrison Jr. set in seven starts. I mean, it's amazing because, I mean, we were talking earlier about Kyle McCord. And, you know, you and I have, we've, we've discussed this before in terms of with recruiting. Uh, you know, that we're not necessarily, you know, the type that, that follow like all of the the recruiting, you know, accolades and, and hype. Uh, but when it came to the fact that Kyle McCord and Marvin Harrison Jr. played high school football together, I think there was more hype and excitement around Kyle McCord. Not that I'm not trying to diminish Marvin Harrison in any stretch. I'm just saying in terms of, you know, like the, the real excitement. And ever since... I'll just say it. Ever since his uh, spring game, uh, I think Marvin Harrison Jr. has truly exceeded uh, any of, of the fans. You know, their 
you know, what, what they thought that they were getting and what they've seen on the field. I mean, he, like you said, seven starts and he's had multiple games with three touchdown receptions in them. Yeah. And as I said last week, I set Marvin Harrison free by not making him my pick to click <laughs> and, uh, and look what happens. So there you go. There you go. <laughs> uh, yeah. He's, he's an amazing receiver and uh, somebody, uh, I think it was, um, maybe BTN it was, or somebody put out a, a, a graphic today on Twitter asking which of these is the most surprising receiver. And Marvin Harrison was on there and uh, DK from Wisconsin. And I forget who the other one was, but I'm like, Marvin Harrison Jr. Shouldn't surprise anybody because it says Marvin Harrison right in his name. Right. Right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, but you have to admit in comparison to his father, just like the, the physical style, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. his father wasn't, you know, wasn't six, four, not that that's, uh, you know, something that is, was an issue is the fact that, you know, he had a different style of play and his son, you know, in terms of, you know, that just the physical presence that he has at that six, four, uh, he's truly emerging, you know, different kind of wide receiver, but so productive. Yeah. And he's able to, He's able to get the footwork like his, his father, run the routes like his father, and yet he can, like you said, overpower people, jump over people. He had two really amazing catches in this game that uh, both of them were back foot throws from C.J. Stroud under pressure when he was getting his his uh, his running back shoved back into him. He couldn't step into it, and both of them just dropped in there, and Harrison went and made a play. He's, he's special. I mean – Igbuka has put up some crazy numbers too, but Harrison is right now playing like, like New Orleans Saints Michael Thomas as an NFL player. That's that's a good one. That's a that's a really good one, actually. So uh Harrison's touchdown. Uh, they tack on another one in the third quarter as they get some more some backups involved. G. Scott Jr., his first career touchdown on a, I believe that was on a fourth down and goal play. And uh, congrats to G. Scott, who has uh, been a great soldier for Ohio State. He's uh, He wanted to get on the field. He wanted to stay here. He could have transferred out. He chose to change positions. And uh, it was nice to see him get rewarded for that. Absolutely. Like you just said, you know, in this day and age of the transfer portal, because he came in, you know, we were, we were talking, you know, about, you know, all these great, great wide receivers on the roster. He came in from, the, you know, from Washington State, could have said, you know, the heck with this, I'm going to go back closer to home, but instead not only stuck it out, but decided to move to a different position and was rewarded with that touchdown. Uh, From what I understand uh, from things that I've read that he's definitely making strides in, in his development as a tight end. Yeah. So good to see that. And we saw a whole bunch of backups the rest of the way. And uh, Michigan State got the only touchdown of the fourth quarter as uh, their backups beat Ohio State's backups uh, on an eight-play, 80-yard drive uh, to make it 49-20 to on a pass from Noah Kim uh, to Foster, a 25-yard pass. And uh, that'll give uh, the coaches something to be mad about and make people do film study and make them do uh, extra drills and that kind of thing. There you go. have to have some kind of some kind of, uh, I don't want to say incentive, but, you know, some kind of consequence for the fact that they, they gave up a touchdown, even though it wasn't garbage time. Yeah. Uh, 
Michigan State could not run the football against the Buckeyes at all. Uh, they ended up uh, with, what, 20 carries for seven net yards, and that was that was negative until that 80-yard drive. That that was negative yardage rushing until that, that late drive for the touchdown. And um, great job by the Buckeye defense in this game. They really controlled the line of scrimmage and made life difficult for Peyton Thorne. Uh, C.J. Stroud for the game went 21 of 26 for 361 yards. And yes, six touchdowns again. Third time in his career he's done that. That is a Big Ten career record. And deservedly was named the Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week for his exploits. Yes. Congratulations to C.J. Uh, He was sacked once and he did have the one interception. Uh, Kyle McCord was two for two. Let him let him air it out. He's perfect. 16 yards. <laughs> yeah, like I I mean, it, it's just one of these things where I can only hope that other reporters uh, that, you know, when they when they have the opportunity to ask Ryan Day, if, if some more uh, significant playing time for Kyle McCord is in the future, because kind of where we started off earlier in the podcast it it really is to the betterment of not only Kyle McCord but the team to get how some opportunities to play with the if if not necessarily with the first string offense but to play uh offensively beyond more than just handing the ball off because if that's mm-hmm. if that's what you want if that's what you want then then okay why not just reward one of the the many walk-on quarterbacks uh, that are on the roster. If you, if all you're going to do is hand the ball off, mm-hmm. seriously, it, it, it really, it kind of defies logic that why, you know, you're putting, as you said, one, he's only one play away. Um, you're putting him in and you're not doing anything to further his, his, uh, athletic, uh, growth and, and in terms of, you know, being able to have full command of this offense. Yeah. Uh, big day for Jesse Murko. He had to punt three times. Um, and, and you know, the, the workload got to him. He, he, one of them was a touchback. There you go. So, there you, go. you know, you gotta, you gotta keep Jesse fresh. Apparently, um, Travion Henderson went over hundred yards, chip 19 carries 118 yards and a touchdown. Good day for Trey. And it was good to see. Cause a lot of times Ryan day puts his shiny Travion Henderson toy away before he gets to that hundred mark. Yeah, I, it was nice to see Travion Henderson back out there. Uh, you know, the fact that uh, they also were supplementing uh, Travion Henderson, not surprised, you know, that Dallin Hayden, um, I thought moving Xavier Johnson back to running back, we talked about this over the summertime. Uh, not that I, I think Xavier Johnson, quite honestly, is, is kind of like that utility player mm-hmm. who can, he can play in multiple roles. But I thought that that was a smart move. Uh, the fact that Xavier Johnson, he was a high school running back. He was a good high school running back. And granted, he was he wasn't called upon, uh, you know, to to carry the load as much as you know Travion Henderson or Dallin Hayden. But I, I think that's that's good to see that that they're thinking, okay, we might need to have Xavier Johnson ready to go if these lingering injuries continue throughout uh, the second half of the season. Yeah, a little bit of a different look, and uh, he was very successful. Three carries for 23 yards, so 7.7-yard average, and Emeka Ibuka had a couple carries in this game as well. So 
there are different things they can do to to lighten the workload, even with a couple of running backs out. Get to yeah, work. and go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. No, I, no, I was just going to say that it, you know, it's the kind of thing where I, I mean, I look at this team, the fact that they're six and zero, oh, so uh, good thing for Ohio State fans. We know that we've got a bowl game uh, in the future, uh, getting to the Magic Six. But in all seriousness, that they had little to no trouble against Michigan State, and think about the fact that for the first half of the of the season they were without Jackson Smith and Jigba um off and on without one of their starting running backs and the, offensively they're just they they look to be very difficult to to stop yeah they've they've done a, a really really great job on the offensive side of the ball so our picks to click you picked Cade Stover Chip, he didn't exactly click uh, three he, catches for six yards. <laughs> he came so close to that touchdown. He came so close. I thought that was going to be it. I thought that, you know, and he got stopped uh, just shy of the goal line. I yeah. thought that was my opportunity for him to, to, to click, but oh, well. No, he did not click. Marvin Harrison Jr. had the big day, seven catches for 131 yards and three touchdowns. And Emeka Egbuka is who I chose as my pick to click five catches on six targets for 143 yards to lead the Buckeyes in that category. And of course the 69 yard, very nice touchdown for Egbuka. So uh, I think he clicked. Yes, he did very much. So. Uh, All right. Let's just turn our attention toward the defensive side of the ball where uh, you chose uh Ronnie Hickman and I took Tommy Eichenberg and those two clicked they were the top two Buckeyes in tackles on Saturday uh, Tommy had eight and Ronnie had five and uh, I would say that those both uh, those both qualify uh Tommy also had a half of a sack in this game and a breakup and a quarterback hurry uh, and, uh, you know, the, there weren't that many opportunities for Ronnie and he still managed five tackles because the defensive line was just dominating and the linebackers were playing very well. So not much got to the safety level. Right. I, I mean, if anything, yeah, it, it's almost become expected for Tommy Eichenberg uh, to be, you know, the dominant player on the on the defensive side of the ball. And as far as you know, Ronnie Hickman goes, I really thought. Considering Michigan State, their struggles with running the ball, uh, that you know, passing that Ronnie Hickman would be even more involved than he was. But yeah, I'm glad to see that he had a productive game, if not necessarily as dominant as I probably thought he he could have. Yeah, the very strange defensive season continues. It's the defensive ends are just not getting numbers at all. There were four sacks in this game. Two and a half by Mike Hall, interior defensive lineman. One by Jerron Cage, and another interior defensive lineman. Uh, half a sack by Tommy Eichenberg. So, you know, we're not seeing the guys on the edges come off and get sacks. We're just not. Well, I will say that the the <laughs> the officials decided to just either ignore or have very poor understanding of calling holding because JT Tui Moloau <laughs> continually being thrown to the ground, um, you know, by the officials, uh, 
I, I know that we talked earlier about you know Zach Harrison with the unfortunate hands to the face penalty that mm. you know kept a, kept the drive alive. But you know on the on the Big Ten Network uh, football and sixty rewatch, I mean there were just so many times where it looked like the the officials just completely ignored or neglected to call holding on on Michigan State. I don't know if that was out of pity. <laughs> or just out of just out of willful neglect, but you're right. I, I mean, the, the defensive line isn't coming up with uh, the the kind of quarterback sacks that we've grown accustomed to. But on the other hand, it, it's almost as though that like their their job is occupying blockers to free up the linebackers, which is why Tommy Eichenberg, Steel Chambers, you know, the linebackers that they're more productive than we than we've seen in recent years. Well, I mean, the the linemen, interior linemen are right. putting up the numbers. It's like we're not used to seeing four sacks in a game and all from interior linemen. We're used to seeing, you know, defensive ends get those kind of numbers and and sometimes one defensive end get those kind of numbers in a game. But, you know, you look at Jack Sawyer had one tackle. Javante John Baptiste had one tackle. Zach Harrison had one tackle. These are guys not getting a lot. They're not putting up numbers. It's not like they're not being effective, though. They are affecting the line. Maybe the line has to spend so much time paying attention to the guys on the edges that the guys in the middle are getting the push up the middle and 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 surprising people because the, these are disruptive defensive linemen. I mean, we, we have Tyleek Williams uh, spelling guys. Uh, Jerron Cage got that sack. I, I thought that Teron Vincent got that. When I was watching it live, uh, Teron Vincent did the uh, the sack snow angel on the field <laughs> after the play. Uh, he was in on the play, but he didn't get credit for that. But um, yeah, it was it was good to see. But uh, uh, and a, and a quiet day for Steel Chambers. He didn't uh, get a lot of numbers either. He had one tackle in this game. So, right, right. Um, it really was a dominating performance by the interior line and and. You know, Peyton Thorne was getting the ball out in the corners. We're having to do a lot of tackling too, right? And like you said, I mean, if there's if there's a concern uh, that needs to be addressed for the second half of the season, and has, I mean, it's been a concern, you know, for several weeks now. It's the the play of the secondary, specifically at the corners. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, in terms of with their technique, something needs to be done because, on one hand, yes, Ohio State's six and zero. Uh, but going into the second half, some of the teams that they will be playing in the second half of the season, and I'm thinking of, you know, for example, when they travel to Maryland, um, you know, there's there's a team that is very pass oriented. Uh, when they when they play the Wolverines at the end of the season, uh, you know, I'm, and that's not even counting, you know, for example, any of the other teams that they play before the end. They they just need to they need to get something figured out. Sure. And, you know, if they if they were to play Purdue late in the Big Ten championship game, Purdue has very good wide receivers and good passing games. So, yeah, a lot to fix. But I, on the plus side, I did think that this was a better week from Denzel Burke. But uh, I did not expect the even though Cameron Brown was coming back from injury, I didn't expect him to be the problem child. Right. I mean, I think we've grown accustomed to Cameron Brown being the, the stable presence in the secondary we were not expecting yeah. him to take a, a dip in production yeah cam brown is has been a guy who throughout his career has been he's not flashy he's not a lockdown corner but he's a steady guy usually oh i agree like, consistent yeah. and dependable but he 
He was neither of those things on Saturday. Um, unless you're a Michigan State fan, then he was uh, predictably uh, consistent for you. But anyway, 49-20, and um, a win's a win, and you move on. Absolutely. 6-0, let's get people healthy, and let's look forward to the second half of the season. All right. Well, we will not be previewing a game later in the show because there is an open date this week, and you know, by by don't duck anyone. By plays everybody. <laughs> there you go. Uh, we were also going to take our weekly walk through the Big Ten uh, results from around the league, and we'll look ahead to the Big Ten schedule in our bye week. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about the, the games that excite us. We're going to get to all of that right after this. And Chip, we are back. Why don't we walk through what happened this weekend in the Big Ten? And we'll start it with Friday's game, a game where it looked for all the world like Rutgers was going to run away and hide from Nebraska in Piscataway. And instead, Rutgers fell apart offensively in the second half of this game, and Rut- and Nebraska was able to, to get just enough uh, to come back and win 14 to 13. The passing game for Rutgers just completely disintegrated after halftime. And we've talked about it the last few weeks. Um, there are consequences to poor play. Uh, Rutgers uh, <laughs> over the weekend decided to part ways with their offensive coordinator. Uh, so, I mean, if anything, you know, from, from, uh, I have to confess, I didn't watch the game in its entirety. I did watch the, the latter portion of it, so I know exactly what you're talking about, how mm-hmm. Rutgers really collapsed. Um, you know, I think Greg Schiano, you know, this is this has been his ongoing struggle, you know, trying to get a consistent offensive attack that will work and maybe, you know, in the offseason that will be better addressed. But for right now, they decided to part ways with their offensive coordinator and remote from within on an interim basis. So we'll see if Rutgers turns things around offensively for the second part of the season. So Rutgers, as you know, they've been using several quarterbacks this year. Uh, Noah Vedral and Evan Simon threw passes in this game for Rutgers. Noah Vedral went six for 15 for 133 yards. That's not very good. Uh, Evan Simon went six of 15 for only a hundred yards and threw three interceptions. That's even worse. Yeah. I mean, the fact that, like you said, the, that, that they're playing multiple quarterbacks, you know, I don't know. I, what's that old adage? You know, if you have two quarterbacks, <laughs> you don't have then, a quarterback. You, have, you don't. And yeah. the fact I mean, they're, they're on occasions, they're, they're playing more than, than, than two. Um, so, I mean, it just kind of goes to show what I said a moment ago that, Offensively, they 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 have a lot of work to do. I mean, the fact that they are playing about as well as they can be, considering the fact that they don't really have a consistent offensive attack. Um, you know, I think Greg Schiano, like he's trying to figure it out, but it's it's just whatever it was that they were doing, he felt that it wasn't working. Yeah, I think Rutgers threw away its opportunity at becoming bowl eligible with this loss. That was probably one they had to have. And didn't get it. It was uh, it, it too. I, I also thought that Rutgers abandoned the run a little bit too much in the second half and became very, very predictable. And 
you know, Nebraska hasn't been great defensively this year, but if you know what's coming, it's a lot easier to to stop it. And and honestly, I don't even think Evan Simon was looking for his receivers the last couple series of that game. It was just let me get the ball and throw it somewhere. Oh, I'm sure it was. I'm sure. Great. Uh, let us go now to Bloomington, Indiana, where the Michigan Wolverines paid a visit to the Hoosiers. And this was a game for the first half. Uh, it was a 10, 10 at the break and Indiana had some opportunities. Uh, they, they got a big stop on Michigan and, and forced a field goal and then blocked the field goal, went all the way down the field. Their drive sputtered. I think they dropped a pass that would have been a first down and, and then they kicked a field goal and then they had theirs blocked. <laughs> it was a much closer field goal. So, uh, yeah, you can't do that when you're trying to pull the upset. And in the second half, Michigan just wore them down and and uh, and outscored them 21 nothing after halftime and won 31 to 10. So the Wolverines stay unbeaten, and it's still impossible to tell how good they are. It is, but I know we're going to talk about this upcoming weekend. I think um, we're gonna we're gonna learn a lot uh, this coming weekend. After you know, I agree with with what you just said. We're not sure how good they are now, but I think we'll have a much better understanding after they welcome in Penn state on Saturday. Yeah. So Indiana had allowed 35 points to Nebraska, but only 31 to Michigan. (laughs) So there you go. And Nebraska has won two in a row very quietly. (laughs) Yeah. And, and getting to on, on Indiana, we just, we were just talking about Rutgers firing their offensive coordinator, Indiana fired their offensive line coach. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it's just the, the continual coaching shuffle, uh, that it seems like every, every weekend you'll, you'll see, you know, through social media, some kind of news of some coach being dismissed. So Indiana decided that they wanted to go in a dr- different direction for the remainder of this season. Yeah. So let's go to Evanston, Illinois, where Jim Leonard brought his uh, Wisconsin Badgers, his newly acquired Wisconsin Badgers, in to play Pat Fitzgerald's Wildcats. And this was no contest. It was a blowout from the get-go. Um, basically, from the second quarter on, it was all Wisconsin. And uh, the Badgers roll 42-7. to I don't know if this tells us anything about the team being fixed under Jim Leonard, uh, as much as it tells us a lot about Pat Fitzgerald's 2022 Northwestern Wildcats. I agree with what you just said on the latter. I think that we have a better understanding as to how poor Northwestern is this year. Um, Now, on the the positive side for Wisconsin, Graham Mertz actually played well. Um, They were able to run the ball. Braylon Allen had a good game. Uh, But when you're going against Northwestern, I'm not really sure, you know, what kind of a barometer you, you can you can accurately use. Uh, you know, I think Wisconsin, from what I understand, uh, this coming week, I think they they play Purdue, uh, so that should be a, you know a better con. Excuse me, Michigan State. Um, so there there's another one um, we're entirely trying to figure out, um, you know, with what Michigan State, you know, how good or how bad are they? You know, so maybe Wisconsin they they can try and salvage this 2022 season. But uh, it, I think if anything, it's going to be difficult to, to gauge how, how good Wisconsin really is. Yeah. The 
<laughs> Sicko's game of the week took place in Champaign, Illinois, as the Iowa Hawkeyes visited Brett Bielema's Fighting Illini, and uh, now Brett Bielema's ranked Fighting Illini. As mm-hmm. Illinois wins this one 9-6, to six. what a barn burner this was. I watched a lot of this game just for, as the kids say, the lulls. See, I was going to say, you know, you know, I, I hope I hope Matt's listening to this. You should get hazard pay uh, for watching this. Um, yeah, in all seriousness, uh, Iowa is just such a, a, a train wreck offensively. I think Illinois, in the sense that, I mean, I think that they are trying they are trying to establish an offensive identity. I don't know what what Iowa what what the, the end goal is. Uh, but Illinois is certainly evolving into a much more competitive team than I think most people anticipated for this season. Yeah, and and Iowa's defense remains very stout and and very much maligned, given the fact that the team's offense can't get anything going because uh, they they uh, they're doing the job. You hold your opponent to nine points, you should win the game. And Iowa can't muster ten points against. The fighting Illini is uh, is almost unbelievable, but they had one drive where they punted, and Illinois muffed the punt. Then they, I think, it, I think Iowa ended up turning the ball over on downs, if I'm remembering correctly. But then Illinois fumbled it back to them, and they had a first and goal, and they ended up uh, losing yards on the ensuing drive and kicking a field goal. Again, hazard pay for you, my man. That's that's what I mean when I say I watched it just I, I couldn't stop laughing at, at how inept <laughs> both teams were at times in this game. So um it, it was a true when you think about all of the what the people around the country think of the Big Ten, this is the game they're thinking of, this type of game. Well, you know, Illinois right now, they're five and one. They are one went away from bowl eligibility, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Purdue, you know, uh, we talked about it earlier. I know we haven't talked about the Purdue Maryland game yet, but when you, when you think about it, Purdue could very well be undefeated right now. If, if not for some costly penalties and costly coaching decisions that, you know, they could have beaten Penn state in the season opener. They lost to Syracuse. Other than that, they're six and oh, so, yeah, I mean it's it's like you said, people when they have negative connotations of the Big Ten, like you said, that that Saturday night game, the Iowa Illinois game, that's what they're thinking of. Yeah. Don't 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 jump ahead, Chip. Don't jump ahead. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> don't get ahead of yourself. Yeah. So uh, Iowa, Illinois. I, I'm starting to get excited about a, a potential Big Ten championship Illabuck game, a double trophy game, if you will. Well, that might be again a little too premature. I'm getting more excited looking at the upcoming opponents mm-hmm. that Illinois has because I think that they have the possibility of I don't want to say necessarily ruining somebody's season, but I think the the possibility of pulling an upset uh seems to to, to get more and more positive momentum every week it seems. Well, they ruined Paul Christ's season. That's right. That's right. So don't don't dump on my dream of an Illabuck <laughs> championship game. Uh, right. 
All right. The game of the, the week in, in Big Ten land was Purdue at Maryland. I didn't think we would ever say that, but this was a, a game that came down to the wire and Maryland had a touchdown and needed a two-point conversion to send this thing to overtime. They converted the two-point conversion, but on a two-point conversion chip, they were whistled for an ineligible receiver downfield. A lineman lineman went about two and a half-ish yards into the end zone. It was an extremely close call on whether or not he was five, a good five yards downfield uh, from that two point conversion spot, but it took the points off the board and they had to do it again and they failed on the retry. So Purdue hangs on for a 31 29 victory. Well, I know that Mike Laxley certainly was unhappy with that officiating decision. Uh, But, you know, we talk about, you know, upcoming opponents that Ohio state has to be concerned about, you know, Maryland is one of them. Um, I know that Ohio state's had their way with Maryland uh, over the last few years, but you know, we talked about the concerns that we have about Ohio state secondary Maryland will, will scratch and claw. And I think, I think they might be a more formidable team than we probably realized at the beginning of the season. Maryland will be difficult. I think primarily because of where they fall in the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I certainly think Ohio State can outscore Maryland. Um, even if Maryland can can manage five touchdowns, I think Ohio State can can surpass that. So uh, I'm not as concerned about about them about the quality of the team as I am mentally about where the team is when they go into that game because it's a road game and it's the week before the game. Right. And several years ago, when Ohio State escaped with a one point win, that was the exact same kind of situation. It was one week before. Yeah. So let's take a look at the Big Ten uh, standings where they are now. Um, In the Western Conference, all of a sudden, the Fighting Burts are on the top of the Western Conference at two and one, tied with Purdue. And oh, by the way, Nebraska. Right. Nebraska is, is somehow come back to life. I am. I am all for chaos, and I'm rooting for a seven-way tie for the top <laughs> of the Big Ten West. Well, I don't know how that's <laughs> going to come about, but okay, if it's possible, let's let's see if it if if it can come to pass. Uh, in fourth place, uh, one uh, half a game back, Minnesota Golden Gophers at one and one. Then the Badgers and Hawkeyes and Wildcats are all one and two. And um, I think we can rip up our predictions. Oh yeah. Very much so. <laughs> Very much so. Um, although, you know, with if Jim Leonard can get Wisconsin playing, there's still plenty of time for Wisconsin to win the big 10 West and um, Nebraska may end up right around where I kind of thought they would be. Cause I had way stupidly had way too much faith in Scott Frost, finally getting that team going. But uh Northwestern is where we thought they'd be. Yes. Uh, you know, and I have so much respect for, for Pat Fitzgerald, but I don't know where to begin in terms of, I think on both sides of the ball, uh, you know, offensively and defensively. I mean, it, it just needs a complete overhaul. And I know that Pat Fitzgerald is 
uh, beloved son uh, of the program, but that certainly didn't seem to protect either Scott Frost in Nebraska or Paul Christ at Wisconsin. So he really needs to, you know, get things going or he might be, you know, I'm not saying at the end of this year, but um, I think his seat's going to start to get a little toasty. So an interesting name became available the uh, just today as uh, Matt rule was fired from the Carolina Panthers. Uh, there might be some opportunities for him in the big 10 West. There could be. And this is where the advantage or I'm going to, I'm going to say that the advantage goes to Nebraska here and maybe you have a different opinion simply because um, I think with Wisconsin that I think they really truly want the Jim Leonard experiment, for lack of a better word, to succeed. I think that the Jim Leonard movement, you know, the fact that they promoted him from within, I think that they would prefer Jim Leonard write the ship, so to speak, and they can just promote from within and they keep their coveted coaching prospect internally. Yeah. Uh, as it relates to Nebraska, not that, not that I, I don't believe that, that Mickey Joseph isn't necessarily Beloved, I, I, I mean, he he played there, um, you know, back in the '90s. But I think with Trev Alberts, I think he he made a point of saying how they were going to have a national search and things like that. And the fact that Matt Rule, on two separate occasions at the college level, went into bad situations and turned those programs around, winner. And I know people are quick to point out, oh, you know, he didn't do well. In the NFL, there the the list is lengthy of college coaches that did not do well in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I think I think Matt Rule. This it certainly presents the opportunities not just you know within the Big Ten but um, around the country. You know for opportunities for him to listen to various pitches from other possible interested parties. I mean, Urban Meyer didn't even last a season in the NFL, and uh, every time a job comes open, the kids at that school want. Want Urban Meyer there, so yeah, uh, yeah. Well, Urban, I, I mean, it, it, as much respect as I have for Urban Meyer as as a coach, for and and gratitude for what he did, you know, coming into Ohio State ten years ago, um, you know, it was it seemed to me like anyone who didn't anticipate him struggling at the NFL level, I think, you know, had to be kidding themselves. So. Yeah. Um, you know, getting back to, you know, you know, getting back to Matt rule, um, you know, he, I, nobody likes to be fired, but you know, he, he's kind of in a, in a really good spot when it comes to, you know, for financial reasons with the, with the, what the Panthers are going to be paying off with this contract and the fact that he now has a couple months to kind of survey some different options. Yeah. All right. Let's take a look at the East, the, uh, the big two in the conference, formerly known as the big two and little eight, uh, are both three and O in the big 10 East Ohio state and Michigan Penn state right behind it, two and O. And, uh, then everybody else has a losing record. The Maryland Terrapins and Indiana Hoosiers are each one and two in conference play and Rutgers and Michigan state O and three and struggling. Yes. I think we talked about this last week about Michigan state. Um, I think that you're kind of seeing the, you know, some of the results of some poor recruiting uh, that preceded Mel Tucker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and granted, you know, he he did a great job last year with the transfer portal, 
And I think you're seeing the value of what Kenneth Walker, I, I'll just say he kind of papered up what, what must have been a very, very bad foundation of, of talent or lack thereof, because um, you're seeing the, those results on the field. So I think Mel Tucker, I mean, he's got work cut out for him. We talked earlier uh, in the year, Greg Schiano. I think he has Rutgers going in the right direction, but it's going to take some time. In Indiana, I mean, things always have to fall just right for Indiana to be a factor. And they had that a couple of years ago, and it didn't last. So mm -hmm. we'll see. And kind of derailed when they lost to Nebraska. So, well, uh, it it's it's going a little bit. The East is going a little bit closer to what we thought it would do. Other than other than I had more uh, faith in Mel Tucker uh, at Michigan State, but he, we can't discount the fact that he's had he doesn't have a deep team, and the team that he's got has suffered a lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and they lost what three more kids in this this week's game. Right. So right. Uh, it's it's been tough. They need to get they need to get that defense healthy because they're they don't have the depth and it may be a little bit down on talent and it's it's killing it's killing the team. They're just not able to they don't have an offense that can keep up with with the other uh the other side if the other side is just carving right through their defense every every drive or every other drive. So yeah, it looks like a long season in East Lansing, but I think I think Mel Tucker uh, will survive the season and and get an opportunity to to get one more class in and, and see how next year goes. Yeah, I, I mean he signed that lucrative contract in the off season. Um, I just think it, I think it's it's a, a heavier heavier lift than I think most people probably realized. Uh, you know because nobody anticipated. Let's face it, nobody anticipated the tremendous season last year i mean they thought that maybe they'd be better but nobody thought they would be that good last year build up some expectations uh, for sure. right exactly so um you know it's 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 a tough thing because you have to you have to recruit um and with the transfer portal i mean you just never know in terms of if people are gonna basically get disillusioned and say i want to go elsewhere so um you know to be trying to to fix things as you know you're basically you know trying to keep the the dam from breaking mm -hmm. um it, it's a it's a tough job yeah mark d'antonio didn't do him any favors um you know he he left the cupboard a little bit bare we've and we've seen this at other programs other programs that have struggled because they've been left with you know something that wasn't you know not a great roster then all it takes is a couple of misses in recruiting and then you're you're trying to catch up and you're trying to compete with the top schools and it's not it's not feasible. We're seeing it around the country. Sometimes when a a good program gets on a downward slide, it's really hard to uh, to halt that slide. So uh, good luck to Mel Tucker. Chip, let's talk about this weekend in the Big Ten. There are a few more games uh, this week and, and a few more teams on bye weeks this week as uh, open date has to play everybody. And uh, the marquee game you already mentioned is Penn State at Michigan. So this one's in the big house, and I would ordinarily think this might be a potential upset game. Penn State has been better than I thought they'd be, but this is at Michigan, and I just don't think Penn State's quarterback play is where it needs to be. I, I think Michigan is going to win this game. I think Michigan is going to win the game, but I just think it. this is we, – we talked earlier in the podcast. I think this is – okay, the moment of truth for the Wolverines because they're 
schedule, I mean, especially their non-conference was just absolutely horrendous. And, uh, you know, I agree with you. I think, you know, Sean Clifford, you're expecting a lot if you, I mean, it's, it's not that he, it would be impossible, but Sean Clifford has not really shown a tendency to kind of come up big in games such as this. I mm-hmm. think that the the home crowd uh, and Michigan defensively is certainly playing better than I I thought, you know, that, that they would, you know, when they consider the loss of Aiden Hutchinson and, uh, you know, some of the other players off that, off that team from last year that was so dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, defensively, they are, they are much better, but, you know, when it comes to Penn State, they have shown an ability to be able to run the ball better than, than we thought. Uh, defensively, uh, they are better. So I'm I'm excited for it, to tell you the truth. I think yeah. this is the kind of game at noon to, to kind of get an advanced glimpse of both Penn State and Michigan before Ohio State plays them later on in the season. Yeah, certainly all eyes at Ohio State will be on that game. And, and I think Penn State's defense has been very good this year, so they may be able to hang around for a while. But I think that in the end, probably Michigan's offense just a little bit ahead of Penn State's, and that's where I think they'll they'll – pull away in the second half. Uh, maybe it won't be a crazy a lopsided score, but um, I think 10th in the country seems high to me for Penn State. So we'll we'll get a real barometer of where they are this weekend. Yep. Uh, another good game at noon, Minnesota at Illinois. This is a big one in the West, Chip. It is. Uh, you know, we were talking earlier about, you know, Illinois is, is one victory away from uh, – you know, becoming bowl eligible. Now, Minnesota, a few weeks ago, <laughs> we joke about it, but it's true is that, uh, you know, it, it certainly looked as though like Minnesota was in the driver's seat for the Big Ten West, and then they promptly played terribly against Purdue. So it just reinforces the fact that we really don't know what the Big Ten West is all about. Uh, but, you know, as nope. it relates to, you know, like the the Minnesota, you know, um, they had um, – the week off to kind of possibly, you know, look and see where things went wrong. Uh, and, and they, they go on the road to Illinois. I know that Bielema has to be excited about an opportunity to, uh, you know, take his, um, his ranked team and, and possibly, you know, get them into bowl eligibility. So it should be, it should, should be a good game. It's unfortunate that it's at noon on the big 10 network, you know, at the exact same time as Penn state, Michigan, two screens, chip, two screens. Two screens. Okay. <laughs> really noted. Yeah. Minnesota, you never know which gophers you're going to get from one week to the next. And that's uh, right. It should be fun to watch. Maryland will try to bounce back at Indiana. Uh, Maryland has not been good on the road the last several years, but uh, Indiana, you know, I think we're seeing the cracks start to appear in the Hoosiers. They, they, uh, they don't look as solid as they did earlier in the year. They can hang around for a little while. But uh, in the end, I, I just don't think there's enough quality there. Uh, if you can cover the receivers for a few seconds, uh, Connor Baslek, uh, he just takes sacks. Right, right. I, I do think I, I like Maryland, even though, like you said, they're, they're going on the road. I do like them to get the win at Indiana. Um, I think offensively, they pose too many problems for, for the Hoosiers to be able to, to keep pace. Um, you know, but that's a three thirty game on ESPN two. Mm-hmm. Uh, four o'clock. Wisconsin will visit East Lansing, so the Spartans get to stay home. Uh, no word on whether or not the second game in a row at home is their homecoming, but uh, they 
they have uh, Wisconsin. And, and if you, if you can't corral Travion Henderson, I don't see that you're going to be able to, to control the Wisconsin running game. I, I don't think this one looks good for Sparty. No, no, I, I agree with you. I think Wisconsin, you know, the, they, as best as they could, I, you know, like Northwestern, maybe Northwestern is the cure for what ails you, uh, you know, like after you <laughs> fire your coach and it's kind of an emotionally, uh, you know, difficult week uh, for, for the coaching staff and the players uh, thrashing Northwestern seemed to put everyone in a better frame of mind. And now they get to go on the road to the Michigan state team. That's lost four in a row. So yeah, I think, I think the Badgers will take this one. Yeah. Braylon Allen, if he's on your college fantasy team, uh, play him. He's going to yes, probably do well. Absolutely. absolutely. And, and then uh, last but not least, Chip, the night game on BTN is the battle for the top of the Big Ten West between, of course, as we all thought, the Nebraska Cornhuskers and the Purdue Boilermakers in uh, in West Lafayette. Right. As we all thought. Uh, I do like Purdue here. Um, I know that They've been, you know, the fact that I, I mentioned earlier that that they could be uh, undefeated. You know, it, they only have themselves to blame uh, in terms of having those two losses. I know Nebraska has won two in a row, but I do think Purdue at night at home. I I, I think that they have enough to to pull it out and uh, get themselves back into discussion about winning the Big Ten West. Yeah, I think this is a Purdue's game to lose. Purdue, um, I don't think Nebraska can beat Purdue, but I think Purdue could beat Purdue. Very well said. Yeah. That's exactly, yeah, at, at, you know, kind of that Penn State loss, the Syracuse loss, those were largely self-inflicted wounds. It, the, the potential is there for Purdue to do, to do precisely that, you know, to make some, some costly mistakes that cost them the game. But I think Purdue will hopefully rise above that and and beat Nebraska and win at home. Yeah. So that's uh, that's our look around the league, Chip. Do you have uh, obviously this is the the Penn State Michigan game? That's the one we're all going to be focused on, right? Yeah, yeah. The Penn State Michigan game. Um, truth be told, I mean that that's that's ever since the the bye week um, was announced. You know, you kind of start thinking like, okay, well, what am I going to do during the day? Uh, you know, kind of a thing, you know, I'm not, not like you, Michael, you know, like knowing, you know, for example, like the, the schedule of the Hawaii rainbow warriors, you know, in terms of when they're kicking off, you know, in the, in the wee hours of the night, but and all well, you have to know if you're going to be watching them on TV or if you have to stream them. So you have to, there you go. There you go. So, yeah. So, yeah. So the, I've, I've had this, this game, I've, I've been excited for it even before the fact that uh, both teams were undefeated. I, I mean, I, anticipated that they would be um you know the the fact that penn state went down to auburn earlier in the year and thrashed them now granted auburn isn't really showing much but they went into sec country and had a convincing win um you know i'm excited to see what both teams have because as i said earlier ohio state they're playing penn state at the end of october and and we know that the game is rapidly approaching at the end of november so Good opportunity to see what both teams, how they look against better competition. Yeah. So with Ohio State 6-0, and Chip, how much of the season is gone now? You had to remind me. You had to do that. Uh, <laughs> we, are, we are going to be, I, I, I was going to say, my, 
you know, I, I would say that we're going to be going into kind of almost like a deficit type spending mode uh, for, the <laughs> of, for the remainder of the season, unfortunately. So that's why you have to yeah. savor every possible opportunity, mm-hmm. uh, even the bye week, because that's, you know, that's that's one more week of college football that we are going to be missing and lamenting during the horrible off season. Yeah. There's not a lot of national games that I'm I'm that interested in, but I I, I will keep an eye on some of them. Uh, I am interested to see if Kansas can finally knock off Oklahoma. Oklahoma's been terrible this year, and Kansas has been good and and coming off a, a tough loss to TCU. So I'm I'm interested to see if Kansas can go into Norman and, and pull off that and put that feather in their cap. Um, there's also uh, Alabama Tennessee. Don't know if Bryce Young's playing in that game or not, but that's a that's a big game between two undefeated teams in the SEC. So we're going to see what happens there. Is I can't figure out if Tennessee's for real, but I I do like their quarterback and um, they're playing better defense than I expected. So uh, that game will be one to keep an eye on at three thirty. And another game in the Big Twelve is TCU. I just mentioned them. They're playing Oklahoma State. That might decide the the league right there. And uh, uh, if you like ACC football, and and who among us does, uh, NC State is playing at Syracuse, two ranked teams, uh, so that might be one that you'd be interested in. Or the night game, Clemson at Florida State. Florida State looks a little bit better this year. They're, I wouldn't say they're back, uh, but Clemson looked a little, little bit vulnerable at times, even against Boston College. So uh, maybe, maybe a potential upset there in uh, Tallahassee. And Kentucky coming off a loss will be playing a Mississippi State team that has suddenly become very good, a very good-looking team. And uh, then out west, uh, USC and Utah is another one to keep an eye on after um, you know Utah went down to UCLA. UCLA looking like it might be uh, Chip Kelly's best team yet. It could be. Uh, you know, that's the thing. Like Chip Kelly, he took a lot of criticism and abuse uh, for – you know, kind of lackluster results at the beginning of his tenure it, for UCLA. But like you said, they're looking very formidable out West. So they could be a team to keep an eye on. And when I say Chip Kelly's best team yet, I don't mean his best US UCLA team. It's it's already that. Uh, it might be his best college football team yet. I mean, they okay, are. Well, that's that's saying something. Now. Yeah, they, they look very, very good. I'm, I'm very impressed with, especially offensively. I'm impressed with their offense. I think you can score points on them, but uh uh, DTR is playing some ball. Oh, well, I, I will say, you know, the, you know, as far as, you know, some of those national games that you mentioned, I, I would say, you know, obviously I'm going to be focused, you know, primarily on the big 10. I'm going to have to take your sound advice about the two screens. Yeah. Uh, you know, like it, you know, as far as like the, the later games, I, I definitely would want to see that, that three thirty game, uh, the Alabama at Tennessee, uh, the fact that like what you just said, not sure if Tennessee is necessarily for real, but the fact that it, that Alabama has been somewhat shaky. Uh, I mean, they survived against Texas A&M. Yeah. Um, Worst so play call past- I've ever seen at the end of that game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so, so Alabama on the road at Tennessee in uh, Neyland stadium, uh, you know, and those fans are going to be loud and, and ready to go. Now, granted, it, it remains to be seen if Alabama gets out to a, a strong lead, you know, how loud that they're going to remain. 
but still, you know, that Alabama Tennessee game is intriguing. And then what you said, as far as like a later game, I would probably say I'm going to probably lean towards USC at Utah game that kicks off at eight o'clock just because Utah Ohio state fans know from last, last year, I mean, they're pretty strong defensively and already USC, you know, they're kind of, I don't want to say that they're realizing the, the full benefit of Lincoln Riley, but uh, the, the turnaround um, has been probably um, what they what they would what they had hoped it would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just now now they're going to start to play against some some really good defensive teams. So yeah, I think those would be the games that I would probably look at on a national scale. All right, well, it should be fun. College football Saturdays are supposed to be fun, and uh, this should be no different. So I'm looking. Looking forward to it, Chip, since there are no Buckeyes uh, to, to watch um, until Sunday when we get to watch them in the NFL. Yeah. And then uh, I'm sure that you have heard. I'm guessing that our fans have heard. Uh, we can look forward to talking about the Iowa game, which the kickoff has been announced. It's a big noon kickoff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scarlet, out the, Scarlet out the shoe is the theme. Uh, so Ohio State, uh, they get to come home and welcome in Iowa into Ohio Stadium. I want to say for the first time since 2013. I mean, it's it's crazy the way that the the, the Big Ten, in terms of the rotation of uh, opponents, uh, I, you know, like I, I certainly recall going on the road and unfortunately the, the thrashing Iowa gave back uh, in 2017, but this is they were supposed to play in 2020 and then COVID wrecked that. So I want to say this is the first time that they're playing Iowa at home since 2013. Was Matt Rogers the quarterback then for Iowa? He could have been. He could have been. Rumor has it. I don't remember. I don't remember. It was after Chuck Long. We know that. <laughs> yes. After that Chuck like, Long. That was in the 80s. <laughs> yeah, you know, and we never Ohio State never played against Brad Banks. Um, that was in the 2002. Um, and then, you know, of course, you know, when in 2005, uh, the harassment of Drew Tate that resulted in him spiking the ball out of just sheer frustration, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I can that. remember that. Remember that, you know, like just, you know, because I mean, Iowa put it to Ohio state in, in 2004, that, that was, if there, if there is a memory of, an Ohio State loss to Iowa that, you, you know, when they talk about it, you always have to find the good in every situation. And I mean this with no disrespect to Justin Zwick, but Justin Zwick was the starter in 2004, was injured, and that was what elevated Troy Smith into becoming the starting quarterback for Ohio State at the latter portion of the 2004 season. And then his career just started slowly, but surely to take off. Mm. Uh, Google tells me chip that the uh, likely quarterback starter that day in 2013 for Iowa was either Jake Rudock or CJ Beathard. Okay. They were both sophomores. I'm not sure okay. they, they okay. both played, so I'm not sure which one started. I'd have uh, to okay. actually look that. I'd have to actually look up that, uh, that particular. Uh, there you go. There you go. But uh, yeah, those are some names from the past for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Blast All right. Past. Well, that, uh, unless you got anything else uh, you want to get off your no. chest, I think that'll just about do it for this week's show. No, I, I guess um, everyone enjoy the bye week. You know, um, stay safe. 
uh, Go Guardians because they they are also playing this 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 weekend. You yes, know, congratulations to to them for making it past the Rays in the the first round. Uh, the uh, I guess the wild card round. Yes, so you know they they they're taking on the evil empire. Um, you know, yeah. so everyone everyone likes an underdog. So root for the Guardians. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I still hate the name. <laughs> <laughs> and that's okay. That's all right. All right. Uh, Chip, where can people find you online? They can find me on Twitter at Chip Minnick. Last name spelled M-I-N-N-I-C-H. I will have an article, three things to watch during the bye week. Uh, you kind of touched on it a little bit um, in our podcast, but that will be dropping on the site at noon on Land Grant Holy Land. Great. Uh, anything going on in Athlon this week? Um, I have to... I have to write about Wisconsin, Michigan State. So obviously I welcome people reading and commenting on that. But yeah, it doesn't really get the juices flowing like you know when I have the opportunity to write about Ohio State. Yeah. All right. You can find me on Twitter at Mike36Fan. You can also follow the Silver Bullets podcast on Twitter at Silver Bullets Pod with no E in silver. Just eliminate the E in silver and go silver bullets pod with no E and silver. And you'll find us right there on the Twitters. Uh, you can also find me at landgrantholyland.com as the grumpy old Buckeye every Monday. And uh, this week, of course, I wrote about all of the things that made me give my TV the stink eye uh, during the Spartans game as, uh, as Ohio state continues to aggravate the crap out of me, even when winning by four touchdowns. Well, so I, I, having read the article and I recommend, you know, for anyone who hasn't read it, I, I thought you raised some very valid points. Yeah. Well, it's all for fun. And also, uh, there's always a grain of, of truth in any, in any comedic effort. So, um, that's, that's what we're going for there. So, uh, hopefully, hopefully that will, uh, that will be something you guys can read and, and enjoy. And uh, I don't know what I'm doing on the off week yet. I have to read an email from from our uh, fearless leader to see what the, what the expectations are. But I'm sure I can find plenty of things to be grumpy about in a bye week. I'm sure you can. Yeah, you can be grumpy about the bye week. I can. That in itself makes me grumpy. There's no question. <laughs> All right. Uh, you can also uh, drop us a line. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question. Just say hello. Let us know how we're doing. Uh, write to us at silverbulletspod at gmail.com. And I know it's confusing, but you do spell silver the normal way for our email. So silverbulletspod at gmail.com. Ask Chip a question. Ask me a question. It doesn't even have to be football related. We'll answer you anyway. There you go. All right. That'll do it for this episode of the Silver Bullets Pod. We'll be back next week. And we, of course, won't have a Buckeye game to recap, but we'll walk through the scores around the Big Ten, and we will look ahead to the Iowa Hawkeyes as this season just continues to roll on. So enjoy the off week, everybody. If you haven't seen your family in a while, maybe go visit them. Uh, you know, in the other room, and you know, turn the TV off or at least turn the sound down and have a conversation. It'll be great. But uh, it is college football season, and our our college football Saturdays are limited. So you know. Keep that family time to a minimum if you can and get back to the, the, the college football watching. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. We will see you guys next week. The only thing left for us to do is what we do at the end. And that is to say, go Bucks. 
Good box.